Hey good people, this is your N.I. Dom back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So hey, I am here to talk about F.I. maturity. I feel like I've already done a reflection on F.I. maturity. And so if that's the case, I may call it the F.I. indicator. Um... And if I'm desperate, I'll call it um, the 14-year-old. I think I'm a, that's a, that's a third option in terms of a title for this reflection. But I'm going to start off with calling it FI Maturity because I think that's really what's at the heart of my uh, reflection today. I'm going to tell you, I'm sure I'm going to tell you a thousand stories because my tertiary FI has been activated in a way that's new for me. I think that's the way to say it. It's a way that's new and I don't have I don't have muscles for it. This uh, utility or this this deployment of the FI, I don't have muscles for it. I don't have a roadmap for it. I don't have a model for it. I guess I should call it FI drama. But I don't want to call it FI drama because that would that would devalue what I think um, is important about what's going on. And that's why I want to call it FI maturity because I think there is value in how the FI is showing up right now. And uh, I want to learn from it. And so that's what I'm here to do, to just talk about that FI in the tertiary spot. If you can tell, I'm outside of my house again. Um, I'm in my car. Right now I'm moving. But in about 10 to 12 minutes, I will be parked. And so I decided to uh, do this reflection, looking out over the one of the Great Lakes. It's my happy place. I need that. I need some happy, happy time right now just because, just because of the stressors that are associated with not having a plan or muscles for that FI deployment or the way it's being deployed. So the past week or so, I have been getting up in the morning and doing my morning walks down at the lake. And I would love to do that today with you all. But the last recording I did where I was walking, it was horrible. Um, I guess I'm being a little melodramatic. But um, I guess that's the word. But I, there was a lot of wind. And there was about a 10-minute pocket of that reflection that was very windy. And I'm thinking it's because um, I hit a part of my pathway that was out and open so most of my walk I'm surrounded by houses and trees which breaks the wind but there was about a 10 minute pocket of that wind uh, reflection it was very windy um, it looks like several of you have pushed through that because you listened to it I think it is a good reflection content wise but the audio is a challenge so would tell you to go check it out but when you do be ready to kind of bear with that um so if you are new to this project this is a personal journal where i process my inner and my outer worlds 
I do so by using personality theory. The two that I use the most are the Enneagram and... <laughs> Sorry, you guys. The two that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram, pushing those two systems together. I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist of about 30 years. Half of that time has been, uh, has been in leadership. Uh, politically, I lean into tenets uh, related to critical race feminism, which means I have an intellectual sensitivity to social constructs such as race, class, uh, sexuality, and gender, to name a few. This project is unedited and is unscripted. And uh, if you want to know more about it or me, please feel free to check out my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. Okay. So I, if you can tell, I've parked and um, I'm not facing the water uh, just because they have that part of the lake blocked off right now. So I'm still down here all the same. Um, I'm going to crack the windows just to have a little air. So you should hear a little bit of traffic. But... um so here's what's going on, <laughs> and I'm only able to um, do this recording because I've had some sleep. I've had some incubation time. So I did contact my heart coach yesterday. I was like, if you ever want to know what it's like when I'm spiraling, we should probably talk now. Because usually when I go meet with my heart coach, I'm all con- you know, poised, gathered, collected, I can talk about a time in which I've spiraled, but she doesn't usually get to see that in real time. So yesterday, just because the spiraling was just really, in, it's it's intense and it's um, happening more than I would like it to happen um, in in this new space that I'm in. And, um, and so I just really wanted her, her to see it. And um, I wanted to process that with her in real time. Not, I didn't want to explain it to her. I wanted her to witness it. Um, she wasn't able to do that, but she asked me to do a recording, a reflection, a re- and that she would listen to it. And I was, last night, I could not do a monologue. You know, I could not do a one-directional recording, kind of like how I'm doing now, starting off with a topic and working my way through it just because I have some concepts ready to go. Now, do I have the entire reflection? Absolutely not. But I have enough of the reflection. Mm-mm. I have enough concepts. I have a few concepts that will give me my starting point to enter into the reflection. And as I enter into the reflection or after I into it, the reflection, I trust the process uh, for my in, my introverted intuition um, just to open up a little more so my extroverted thinking can go in there and grab those concepts, especially as I am moving about um, verbally, orally. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> I was going to just tell a story about when I was teaching high school, but that's not going to digress. So, um, so I wasn't able to do that yesterday. Um, I did get on the phone and I talked to someone who's dealing with 
a related issue, but not a similar issue. But if I were going to put us, I would say it's part of the, it was, it's a different side of the same coin. And just listening to her talk through her challenge helped. It helped. And then at the end of the conversation, I shared, I had enough to start sharing my thinking. And it was very helpful that she understood it and that she related to it. And I think, I think there was some emotional relatedness that she provided me and some um, intellectual relatedness. But right now I'm curious to see what she offered more. Was it the emotional relatedness or the intellectual or cognitive relatedness? Um, Because that, that, that feels important for me right now, but I don't know that yet. So um, I went to bed after I talked to her, I went to bed and I woke up this morning at one o'clock and I woke up like, you know how you wake up and there's like a clean slate. You don't know that you don't know what was bothering you when you went to bed. So when I woke up immediately, I had this clean slate and then it came flooding back of the, 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 the challenge that I'm experiencing, the dilemma that I'm having. And the dilemma is twofold, if not threefold. The dilemma is I'm having a, a, a situation that's problematic, and then I can't name it. I can't name the situation. I can't name what's problematic. I can't fully name what's problematic about it. And then I think the third part of it is that I don't have anybody to go and process that with who could serve as a coach to me to take me through a series of questions and say, okay, is it this? Okay, I hear you saying X. Have you considered why, right? I don't need you to give me advice per se. I don't need, I definitely don't need you to sit there and listen. And somehow that's a skill people don't have. They either they want to jump in and give you advice or they want to listen. Just, just say, I'm listening. And my poor sister, I've been calling her more. She's not the person to process this with. She's giving me like um, sisterly vibes, which is kind of good initially, but I'm, I'm very solutions oriented. I called my supervisor. She couldn't help me. That's frustrating. <laughs> that's frustrating. And because that's what I do for other people. When they are having a struggle, I listen and then I can hear parts of the conversation to amplify or illuminate to re-center and let's talk about that thing let's open it up a little bit Um, and I just find very few people who have skills to do that that's a coaching skill I guess but a lot I think there are a lot of people who say they're they have experience with coaching and they don't know how to do this thing that I'm talking about so it's frustrating so the situation and I'm going to tell you guys in a minute if you're screaming in your phone or and you're like can you just get to the point I'm getting there. I'm going to get there. Just chill. Okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the, 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 the dilemma, the struggle is just a situation, number one. Number two, I don't fully know what's at the heart of the problem of that situation. I didn't know how to name it. And number three, I didn't have anybody who I could talk to who could coach me through thinking it through. 
It's a cognitive dilemma. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. See, this is why it's good. This is why it's good for me to hit the record button because as I talk, it is it unlayers itself. And it becomes clear. It is a cognitive dilemma. That's exactly what it is. Mm, mm, mm. And I remember doing a reflection with you all at the beginning of last year. It was around, I think it was around February or March. And I talked about, not this year, but 2021. And I talked about cognitive dissonance. And I think it was, I think the episode is called Cognitive Dissonance. And cognitive dissonance is important for learning and growth according to learning sciences. But there is also what's called the zone of proximal development. And in the zone of proximal development, you want to give the learner enough dissonance for growth, but enough relatedness for comfort and the stamina to work through the dissonance. And if you give a learner, I don't care how old, the learner, how old the learner is, too much cognitive dissonance outside of a zone of proximal development, there are these ways that the learner might um, experience stress or they definitely will shut down for learning. So that's what's going on with me. My zone of proximal development is off and my dissonance is high damn it I wish I could have said this yesterday like this feels so clean and neat and clear my zone of development my zone of proximal development was off I didn't I didn't have access to it and the cognitive dissonance was high all right, let's do a little storytelling. <laughs> Let me tell you what's... Thank you for being patient. I, I'm, I needed to do that. I just needed to do that. Thank you for being patient, you listening to me. Okay, so this is the thing that's happened. And I want to be very careful because I'm very protective. Um, I really love... This is work-related. But I don't think it's all work-related. I think the job is just an access point for me to work out some some deeper truths. And so I I was able to acknowledge because of all the reflecting and the meditation I did last week. I don't even think you guys have heard from me because I've been in deep meditation because of this. Is, this there's an ongoing dilemma in my job. And so I did. A, I told you I came down to the lake last week and I did some walking um, almost every day. And I did I did a recording for myself. I did a private recording for myself. And from that last week, I knew that there were some values that were in conflict, that I was having some values in conflict. And I talked about having value conflict on the podcast before. I think I did that at the beginning of last year as well. Maybe this is just a necessary growth cycle I'm in because I have talked about cognitive dissonance before and I have talked about value conflict before more multiple times. And that's what came up for me last week. Like, you have multiple values that are in conflict, and you need to name it. Okay. 
So that's that's a significant part of the dilemma. I don't know how to resolve the conflict. I do not know how to resolve the value conflict that I'm having. And I don't have the space to figure it out. Because I'm expected to perform in an, in an, in an area that is laid heavy, heavy laden with conflict for me around these values. In a perfect world, I would have time to meditate, to engage different people, to strategize, to negotiate. And I haven't had that. And I don't know if I haven't had it because the people aren't available. I haven't had it because I haven't fully understood the environment. I have not, the work environment. I have not fully understood the politics. I have not fully understood what my role is. I haven't fully understood what support systems I have, what safety measures I have. I haven't fully understood all of that. So it's very difficult to push in and try to reconcile value conflict when you have, you have all these outside questions, my zone of proximal development is off. I don't have a lot of those um, uh, elements, conditions that I need to feel secure to push through some of those, some of the dissonance. Okay. So yesterday's conflict is not new. I'm at this job. I'm in week nine. Okay, so um, two months, and I said ninety days, right? And so we got it. We we we're on we are on track to really understand the heart. I wanted to know what the job was really going to entail in ninety days or in my three month time period, and we are truly on path to discover that. So what I'm talking about, what I'm about to talk to you now, and I know I'm about twenty minutes in, and I haven't said anything. If you are a sensor, you probably are screen, really, really losing your mind right now because I haven't said anything that's measurable. But if you are an intuitive, you understand that what I've been doing is meaning making and I've been interpreting. I've been uh, sorting things, sorting through concepts. So hopefully that helps you. So I don't know where I was at, but let me say, let me try to tell the story. It's hard for me to break down and get into the story of this. So I'm very protective of the job. I love the job. I'm, uh, I really like the people. I care about them as much as I can in two months in. It seems longer. And I'm excited about the work. I believe in the work. Okay. Here we go. I, there is, there is a cluster of folks there's a cluster that I'm required to work with and for. And that makes it, that's important to note. And we share a political experience. But we do not have a shared professional commitment I think that's the best way to say it because I was up this morning journaling 
And when I woke up at one and I just literally, I woke, I was from one to four really just reading, reading and, and then writing, reading and writing, reading and writing, trying to get my thoughts together. But I think that's where, where I'm at. We have a, a shared political experience, but we do not have a shared professional commitment. think there's a third piece here we don't have a shared professional commitment yeah i was gonna try to give a third possibility but i think that the shared political commitment actually can be split So that makes it tough. Someone's car alarm just went off. Everything is fine. Um, that that can make it tough having this shared political experience and not a shared professional commitment. That is a big, big chunk of it. Um, I think there's another chunk of it for me. This is all about the cognitive dissonance, by the way. Uh, I'm now getting inside of it. I think another part for me is that I, my values as a leader don't have a home with this group. And I guess I can connect that to the sheer professional commitment, but it's, it is, it is, it's distinct. It's about leadership and it's about me doing the work of leadership why I do it why I do it and what I believe in as a leader it doesn't have a home with this group but I'm expected to be this group's leader and maybe I need to sit into that and linger a little more about what does it mean to be this group's leader because there's some options that I have I can be this group's supervisor I can be this group's um, director Or I can be their leader. And all of those words are often used interchangeably. But they all mean something. They really individually mean something distinct. So I had already gone to my supervisor and I said, I don't think that this group needs me as their leader. I think this group needs me as their ally. Because of the experiences that they've had in the organization, I don't think they need me as their supervisor. So my... My my supervisor, which is also my director, and I I do not I think this idea of her being my leader is not how we're developing our relationship. Like we have a co leadership relationship, which is what makes this job awesome for me. That my supervisor slash lead director sits can sit side by side with me and we can co-lead or you lead on this one I lead on that area and that's that's rare now would I like to do that with the team that I'm supervising absolutely but I think this is where those those 
those commitments, professional commitments are necessary and we don't have. With my with my supervisor, I have a shared professional commitment with her. I don't have that with this particular group. And I'm saying that in a very gross, over broad sweeping because I don't have enough information to say that clearly. But what I am just what I did decide to do when I was talking to my friend last night is I have decided to acknowledge what my FI is communicating to me. My FI is communicating. And this is okay. I'm going to bounce around a little bit. This is this is another component of the challenge. Not only is there dissonance. Not only is there a lack of shared professional commitments, not only do I not have a leader, a home for my leadership commitment or purpose with this team, my FI has been communicating to me from day one with this group, and I have ignored her. Her, I'm going to say her. I've ignored her. I've ignored her because I, number one, I don't fully rec- always I don't recognize when my FI is moving about so, so you know I think I think when I learned when I turned 40-ish I learned that I learned about the FI so for the mo- for a huge chunk of my time in the Myers-Briggs world I'm like I'm an INTJ I'm NT there's no f- I don't have F <laughs> right you don't see F in my four letter code which is insane, right? Because I didn't understand those cognitive functions. Okay, I, I was, I think I was 46. I think I was 46 when I really started, when I got introduced to the cognitive functions. And man, when I learned about that FI, I remember doing a lot of studying, like, wow, whoa, what is this? <laughs> you know? And it, there was a moment where it confused me because it was, it started to, illuminate a lot of my experiences and give a name or a frame to it experiences that I had overlooked or devalued or didn't even you know what it was I didn't have a consciousness for it that's an interesting thing when you just you something can be there all along but if you don't have consciousness of it you don't see it but man when that consciousness is raised and then you see the thing then you see it then you really really see it and that's kind of what happened to me for FI. Okay. Then um, in my, I think it was my, it may have been, may have been my 48th birthday. I don't remember. I did a series, a blog series on my, uh, about five essays. Um, it started off as a birthday reflection and then it just, it just turned into a series. And it was just all about me maturing with the FI, like maturing with the FI. And for me at that time, maturing with the FI was acknowledging it. Yes, you have a you have feeling in your stack. Yes, you have feelings. <laughs> it's, it's so insane to think about how I thought I didn't have it. And it was also me acknowledging that I move about in the world without valuing those feelings. And I, in those reflections, said, I tried to, I made a commitment. I don't know how successful I've been in living it out, but I made a commitment that I would not make a decision without checking in with that tertiary function. Do not make decisions without her. 
you, she can't lead in the decision making process but you gotta check you gotta if she's in the back seat you gotta pause look over your shoulder say yo what you think about this that's not easy though because that introverted feeling function does not align with my action apparatus my action apparatus is extroverted thinking so when I make decisions and or when I take actions I take action I am going to take action based on what I think is an objective strategy based on as some universal principles principles that are accepted in the external world some universal uh, quote unquote objective strategy uh, principles in the external world and I say quote unquote because they're not they they're not really objective we like to say they're objective and that that's a different reflection for a different time but so that's one of the reasons why it's really hard for me to say yo what you feel what do you feel i can and this is what i've been doing when i came down here all last week and i was doing my reflections i was trying to acknowledge those feelings i was trying to name them and they, they, they weren't readily available for me. The words, the values weren't readily available for me. But I, because of my understanding about uh, my cognitive stack and because of that commitment I made when I was 48, 51, by the way, now, I wrestled last week. And I'm like, we're going to name these values. Because we, I knew last week that what I was struggling with was values. But that was week eight. I experienced conflict with this, some kind of FI conflict with this group in week two, in the second week. But I could not name those values until six weeks later. And not only could I not name those values, I wasn't even aware that that was what was stirring for me. And I really do wish I would have had the presence of mind at week two to pause and say, where are your values located here? Like, even if you don't even, even if you don't factor them in, and even if you can't name them, I wish I had the presence of mind to say, what values do you have right now? What are your values? And man, if I could take it a step further, what values might not what values might be in conflict right now? I think I think just naming it would have just been awesome. I think it could have been awesome. But I didn't get there until week eight. And I think that's that's like I'm I'm kind of being hard on myself right now. But in all honesty, when you look at other parts of other times of my life, it's taken months, years, decades for me to acknowledge what my FI is communicating. So, that's what happened last week. Great. So, I knew um, so I was excited to take those values and name them and share them with not the full team but a, a, an important um uh, section of the team that didn't go well and it didn't go well because we're not in alignment 
So whether I name those values or not to them, which is pretty naive now that I think about it, why did I think naming those values would be helpful? And I don't know if I thought it would be helpful to them. I'm not now that I think about it. I thought it would have been it was going to be liberating for me. Like now we're gonna put these on the, we're gonna put this on the table. Now you know where I stand. This is what it is. And it didn't. I didn't do it. Now, I think it partially didn't serve its purpose because I, this is, this is the breakthrough that I ha- I'm having in the last maybe, maybe 12 hours. I need to get to the heart of that group because there's someone in that group that is serving as the political leader. Or, but it's, and I say political leader because they're not serving as a structural leader. They, that position has not been named. That individual has not been named as the leader. There are no systems around that person leading. But that lead, that leader is leading all the same. So I did email her this morning and I said, I would like to have a couple hours with you today. I don't know if she's going to give it to me because that's the other. This is what's so fascinating about this individual. Um, she, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating situation. And I, I have some um, intu- intuitive energy around her. But I, my TE is demanding that I first talk to her before I I name that intuitive energy. I I got it. I have it. But I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and have a conversation with her. We're going to do that today. Now, I've asked to meet with her in the past, and she's told me she's busy. So I looked at her calendar. She's got open spots today. So if, she's, if she tells me she's busy today, and she has open spots... I am going to pull rank. I don't, pulling rank doesn't mean anything. She's, if, if, like, this is me. This is one thing I tried to tell her. She reminds me of a younger version of me, which I, which I adore and I want to protect. I want to, I want to protect that. I want to champion her. But what she's doing is using that energy towards me. Well, I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm not going to sit. I'm not going to sit and be um, the recipient of that passively. So you're, she's giving me a particular energy. I get it. I actually respect it. But what I'm not going to do is sit passively and be on the receiving end. Now you're going to activate that energy, and I don't want to war with her. So this is this is part of the dissonance. This is the conflict be a little barking because my dog says spotted some squirrels I think she's barking a squirrel but she's so weird anyway this is part of the cognitive dissonance value conflict rather because I am wired to protect if I am if I'm your if I'm a leader or supervisor I am wired that's the type eight in me to protect 
And it becomes very challenging when the people that I'm required to protect want to spar with me. So you guys have heard me talking about writing an essay called My Breast and My Brains. That's exactly what this is at. This is. Come on over here. Uh-uh. Come over here. Sorry about that. <laughs> this is exactly what's happening. The breast represents the, the nurturing, the provision. And the brains represent my intellectual action taking and the world is great when they come together when I can use my intellectual action my form of my form of action taking based on rational objectivity my intellectual strength my cognitive wiring however you want to frame it to protect But when I have to use that energy, that intellectual energy to defend myself, protect myself, and while nurturing you, that's, that's just insane. It's, I don't know how, I don't know how that works. I don't know how it works. This is the muscle I don't have. I don't have that muscle. I don't have that map. That's only one, that's only one deficiency I'm, I can identify in this situation. Deficiency number one. I don't have the map or the muscle to nurture and protect someone who's sparring with me. So this individual is an ESFJ. As they've taken the test, this, this, they, they said this is how they identify. There's a part of me that wonders, like, is that really ESTJ? But I'm gonna go with it because I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with it. I do want to come back and talk about the five ESFJs now that I am in contact with. Because I see a cultural overtone and um, a cultural delineation. I would just really love an opportunity to kind of open that up. But we're not here to do that. So we won't. But she's an ESFJ. And as I was reading this morning, I found and I tweeted it. I think I tweeted this out, you guys. I found an article, a website that shows, kind of does what the Enneagram does. I found um, a source for the Enneagram that will take your type and then show you what you look like when you're healthy, when you're average, and when you're unhealthy. I've never found anything like that for them. Um, I think I may have once, but I haven't seen it recently. Where it shows your personality type, your one uh, based on Myers Briggs, and then it shows you what you look like when you are health, really healthy, moderate, and unhealthy. And I'm telling you, if you're an INTJ, please go to my Twitter account, you're an IDOM one, because I I tweeted it this morning. I tweeted an article, but go to the go to the website and find your find, just find it. I think I tweeted. I think what I tweeted was related to the INTJ. Fascinating. A lot of these INTJs out here talking about who you are. What, if It's not the healthy version of you. It's just not. So I have to consider this ESFJ that I'm contending with. And maybe that's the difference between all the five ESFJs. They're on different spaces of the... Of the healthy spectrum. 
that's probably what's going on so yeah I'm pretty sure that's what's going on so there is a um, emotional need that she's operating in that's contrary to productivity in my opinion And so I, I talked to my supervisor last night. So she is, okay, so she's functioning at a place. I don't think it's the most, I don't know, let's not say healthy or unhealthy. Let's say maturity. She's not functioning with the greatest maturity. Or let me say it differently. She's 30, I think. I'm 51. It's fair to say we're not at the same maturity level. It's fair to say that. I don't think it's a universal rule. But it's fair to say that as a starting point. So. She has influence on that team. And it's taken me a minute. To really understand that. But what's interesting about it is that I have started, I think my FI has been communicating that. Nope. I don't know. If, I don't want to put that on my FI. I think in some way I knew it. I don't know if I knew that. Let me say it differently. I don't know if I knew the role that she had on the team, but I knew the role that she could have for me. I knew she could be an asset for me. Because we have some different orientations. You know what? I'm going to definitely clean it up. I didn't know her role on the team until yesterday. I had a hint of it last week, Friday. But I didn't know it until I saw her, until we were all in the team, on a team, on a meeting together. And I saw it. And now I can backtrack and think about experiences that I have with other members on the team and and trace it to her. So I made in my fa- my first presentation with that with the organization, I said something that I use a nursery rhyme that I grew up hearing a nursery rhyme. And I'm not going to say it now. I'm pretty sure I've said it because it's a nursery rhyme I use a lot because I grew up, my grandmother said it. In the middle of that presentation, I was joking, joking, was using it as a joke, and I shared, I started saying the nursery rhyme. About two seconds after I started talking, I paused, like, there was something that said to me, you shouldn't say this nursery rhyme. But then I rolled out I rolled out the um, I'm sorry I'm looking at some kind of boot camp experience and it's distracting me it just these must be either college freshmen or high school seniors anyway I got distraction hold on I got distracted hold on a second so I wrote the nursery rhyme. I paused. I said, I finished saying the nursery rhyme in my head to evaluate, is this nursery rhyme problematic? 
But the way I knew the nursery rhyme, I was like, oh, this is fine. So I then finished. I paused for a couple of seconds, did an internal check, and thought, okay, we're good. And I finished it. Okay. On our lunch break, one an, an individual from the group, not this undeclared leader, but individual of the, and, uh, came up to me and, and she's hemming and hawing. I don't know if I told you guys this already. And she's like, um, um, I just, I need to get to know you if, um, and I'm, I'm really going to act out how she did it. Um, and she kind of talks really fast and she's, she, I think she, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure she's an INFP. I'm pretty sure she's an INFP. But we'll find out. We'll find out. And so um, she's like, because that intuitive, that extra intuitive engine was just functioning in, with the FI. And so she was talking and processing it all at the same time. Um, if, I, if, if you say something and how, do you want somebody to let you know? And, and I said, did I do something wrong? Well, I, I just want to know how you feel about it. I said, did I do something wrong? Well, I, that's kind of what I want to talk to you about. I, I just want to make sure it's not going to be a problem if I talk this out with you. I said, it's going to be a problem if you don't tell me what it is. Because if we keep lingering here, I, I can tell I did something wrong. I don't know what I did wrong. So if I did something wrong, just tell me. Well, you know when you said that, you know, the nursery rhyme? And I just dropped my head. I just said, oh, my God. I knew it. My something told me that there was something wrong with that nursery rhyme. I just didn't know what it was. So she explained it to me. And I was like, okay. Of course. I should have known that. Because it's offensive to the African American community. And she's not a black she's not a black woman. She's a woman of color, but she's not black. So then I had to really process later and I talked about this with my mom. I just was thinking what was that like being called out? I was, she called me out. She called me in. Gently called me in, right? Because the whole call out culture. I'm going to call out. I'm going to call you in. She called me in, uh, in, in all fairness. But what was that like? Someone outside of the my community to do that. Okay. So I, I rolled with it. But then she told me how it landed on the two black women at the table. And that hurt. It hurt that I had hurt them. That's what I was perceiving, that I hurt them. And it hurt that they weren't comfortable to come and tell me that. I went and talked to the two women, the black women, and they downplayed it. They were like, that that wasn't a big deal. I have to trust that. But now I'm wondering... If it wasn't a big deal, what, what, what communicated to the young lady who came? She was very urgent. It was very urgent and passionate about making sure I understood. And she told me that they sighed at the table. I don't know. I, all of this is hearsay. And you guys know I don't usually like getting into these kinds of stories. I don't like it. So... There are just a couple of things like that that would indicate she's got some influence. And then my supervisor told me she's got she's got pull, and she's smart and she's and my supervisor and I already I my supervisor says this I believe it. She and I have a lot of we have a lot of 
shared views about the system. But what has happened is there's something about trust that either has been broken between us or that I never established with her. And this is the challenge for me. Here's a this is I'm out of my zone. This is the dissonance. I have never been asked by an African-American, male or female, to prove my trustworthiness. To prove that, to prove my political commitment. And, and and I'm and I'm still going to protect her. And this is the other piece of it. I don't know if any of this is making sense since to you, uh, you listening because this is hard for me. This is what I'm saying. Like I don't have it all worked out. I'm trying to work it out in in real time with you all. I feel a little disjointed. So I I just apologize, but I'm still going. I'm still very committed to protecting her. Even though she's making it very clear that she doesn't trust me and that she's not going to support me until she trusts me. Now, I don't, she's not communicating that she distrusts me. And that doesn't, and isn't that interesting? I don't think she's written me off. I don't think she's written me off yet, but I see it coming. If I don't get my shit together, I see it coming. And how she is expressing that, I find to be problematic as relating to, um, the way they want me to show up as a leader. It's a way that they want me to show up as a leader that for me to show up that way, I would need to feel, I would need to have my feels satisfied that tertiary that tertiary fi would need to be satisfied and that's hard for me to say out loud because i don't lead from that space i do not lead from the space of you've got to take care of my tertiary feelings not at all i'm good at stripping the feelings like well this is how it is park it do your job and do it well and my job is also to take care of people and to lead them. And I do that well. But the way they want me to show up is in this kind of bonding connectedness, which I don't do anyway. I don't automatically do it. I'm not going to say I never do it, but I don't enter into spaces looking to bond. So I had two of my white colleagues who challenged me. They said, you, you make me feel connected to you. So is that, then that, that raises another question. On the surface, it's going to look like I am whitewashed. It's going to look like I have an affinity to white people over black people. That is how it's going to look. I know it. I know it. I know it. And my friend, not my friend, but this young lady that I got to come up with a nickname for her. I don't know what it is yet. 
Remember the other girl I called the INTJ agitator? This is different. Similar? Mm, I don't know. But this is different. I got to come up with her. She's got to have her own nickname. I got to come up with that. But she's already made a couple of comments about what happens when black people get into power. What happens? Um, what else did she say? She said to me, you know, just because of you, just because you're of color doesn't mean you're conscious that conscious means woke I'm not woke y'all and then she's not saying these things directly so that I can address uh, directly address that because that FE function is there <laughs> SESFJ that FE function is not allowing her to talk as directly to me as she needs to for me as I need her to so we can get to the heart of the matter and we can solve it and I'm pretty sure when I call her out and I say, well, you know, when you said X, when you said this, when you said that, I'm almost certain she's going to say, I wasn't talking about you. But even, but my comeback is going to be, even if you weren't talking about me, how did you think I might experience that in the spirit of consciousness? In the spirit of black lions, black allegiance. She's a black woman. I don't know if I told you guys that. So my, I have on repeat in the last eight weeks have called and checked in with people like, you think I'm a sellout? <laughs> Do you, there's another word for it. A sellout kind of like, um, and I know this is offensive. So I'm going to say something that's potentially offensive to you, the listener, be prepared. Am I it's a sellout? Uncle Tom. Um, I call it, I personally call it black facing. We have a black face on a white agenda. All of those are pejorative. All of those are negative treatments of for African-Americans because there's an expectation for the African-American to do X and they're not doing X, they're doing Y. And then what we do is we we slap some kind of negative, we some kind of pejorative on their character on the way they show up some kind of just indictment I've done it I don't do it I don't do it a lot these days just because I better understand what that's that's deeply rooted in white supremacy culture that's deeply rooted in racism when we do that when when black people do that to each other it's a it's a form of anti-black racism and I just recently wrote a piece, an essay that I published a month ago that just basically says we have a right. We need different black. There are different ways that black people do racial work and we need all three of those ways. So we should not be derogatory, make derogatory statements, be demeaning because a black person decides to show up the way they're showing up. We should not be demeaning towards them. Because they're not showing up the way we think we the way we prefer to show up. But I'm 51 years old. It's taken me a minute to get there because I used to use those terms. I did when I was 30. I used those terms. So now, yay, yay me! I have the earlier version of me on my team that I now need to supervise. Yeah, I'm ecstatic. <laughs> so, and and saying all of that. 
still wanting to be protective and promote her and and I think we will be okay if I can get her to be direct. If I can get her to sidestep that extroverted feeling function, we will be okay. But I also yesterday, and I don't know how to do this. I also also yesterday said, well, what can you do to go to her, to go to her territory? Well, we can sit around and not have an agenda. We can sit around and not have a, 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 and take any action because that's purely what I feel like is happening. There's a lot of lamenting, a lot of ruminating on the problem, a lot of ruminating on pain. And I'm like an action person. And so this team, that's all how I've experienced individuals on the team. And I'm ready to take action. And so I've, I've experienced fear that if I take action, what I'm going to be accused of, and it kind of came up yesterday, I'm going to be accused of acting in a white, uh, acting according to white supremacy culture. I had an agenda and I had a slide and I posted the slide on the, on the Zoom. And somebody at the end of the meeting asked me not to, to do that. That's not how, that's not culturally how we work. That's how I work. <laughs> so what I said after the meeting with two people kind of st- hung out with me and I said, you know, what's frustrating and I'm going to end here, you guys. I said, what's frustrating is that we understand what it, what it's like to be a racial minority because this group is comprised of all non-whites. I said, we know what it's like to be a racial minority we know what it's like. We know when we when we talk and how it feels to be not affirmed. I said, I'm telling you, I'm a cognitive minority. I have a cognitive cognitive orientation that is rare because that's true as an NI Dom. And there's no space for me to show up like that. And it's rare as an NT NT woman. Heaven forbid I try to say that. I just did not even try to go there. I didn't try to get specific with it. I just said a cognitive, I'm a cognitive minority. And I said, and I've tried to speak my truth about what's happened. And you have dis- dismissed it several times. And you've not leaned in to, to show curiosity as to why I'm saying what I'm saying. You've not leaned in to show any kind of empathy or support. And here's the sticky part for me. I don't really need them to do that if I'm allowed to be in my sweet spot. But this is this is the, this is the conundrum. I'm here. I got it. Here's the conundrum. They need me to show up with different cognitive functions. They need it. I can see it. It's an SF group. It is, excuse me. It's a feeling group definitely. I think that young lady who's an um I think she's an I think she's an ENFP, actually. Did I say an INFP? I think she's an ENFP. I need to do that. I need to look that up. I don't even think I've... I think she's an ENFP. And it's interesting because I do connect with ENFPs. And we've had some great one-on-one conversations when it's just about the two of us. But when we're in proximity to that other individual, it's we've had a couple of bumps. Just small, minor, minor bumps. But I definitely believe I'm on a, that is a feeling team. It needs me to be feeling oriented. 
And so I'm trying to activate that. I don't know how to do it. So I'm trying to activate the feeling function from the back seat. And now she doesn't like it. Because I've talked about this before. My back seat feeling function needs my TE out in front of her. She does not like when the TE is parked. I'm talking to I'm I'm personifying her, y'all. <laughs> but I can't do TE with this group. Not right. Because it's, go, it's going to... I've been accused of being like the white leaders. And I said, well, it, maybe it's our leadership training. Well, that training is rooted in white supremacy. Yo! <laughs> I, there's no way I can turn in this situation. There's nothing I'm going to be able to do to avoid being called out as being supporting a white supremacy culture. And you, if you... If you knew me, you would understand how difficult that is for me. I want to go toe-to-toe with that. I can't go toe-to-toe with it because I am I also have this protectiveness about me in terms of the, my leadership orientation. I'm going to have to sit back and just say, call me whatever you want to call me. And I did tell her this in a meeting. I told her in the email, we're going to sit back and watch. We're going to let our, we're going to bond over what we prove to be liberatory. I'm not going to have to, I don't have to tell you I'm about liberation. I'm going to show you. But my, my way of being liberatory in practice as a leader, as a professional is around structures. Making sure that there's pay equity, making sure that there's this, uh, uh, equ- equity um, access to the decision making table making sure that we have opportunities for equal opportunities for growth but all any other cultural perf- um, expectations being social being communal like this is the thing this is one of the oh my gosh I really wish I had enough knowledge to write a book on this because this is where it's helpful to study personality theory. I don't care which theory, which system you use. I've talked about this. Um, I did an episode on about the 11 nations. I don't think I called it that. It's a book that was written about the, the 11 nations in, in, in the United States and how the husband and wife personality team talked took those 11 nations and connected them to cognitive functions. It was an amazing, it was a two-part series. It was amazing. And my theory that I want to extend on it, they didn't say that in that podcast, but my theory is that most, not all, but most African-Americans and our ancestors came to the United States by way of the slave trade that came through the South, which has a particular cognitive orientation. And so that is heavily has influenced our the the black experience, the black cultural experience. I don't have those cognitive functions, so I have been, I have I have had two experiences, just as a general statement, as a black woman. I both fight for black liberation, and I have been I have felt outside of the black experience. 
because I don't have those cognitive functions. Not now I have black friends, but what if you are an intuitive, you get it. Because intuitives, we only make up 25% of the population. We go into the world. Most of the world assists our sensors. We understand that. But in a community, in a culture that has survived based on a, a heightened sense of belonging, a heightened sense of togetherness, that is difficult when you are an intuitive. Because you don't function in that closeness. So that's 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 it. You guys, I would love to do a recap to explain all of the ways that I talked about um, in this reflection that, that that I was having cognitive dissonance. I'm not able to do it. I'm going to have to come back and listen to this. And I, pr- I pray that if anybody got a message from her she says she's calling in sick today i knew i had i knew she was going to find a way to not meet with me today i knew it i should have said it anyway um i don't even know where i was saying to wrap up i'm going to probably have to come back and listen to this reflection just to hear the different points where i talked about the cognitive dissonance and outside of my zone of outside of my my zone of proximal development My zone of proximal development for me is to be an NT woman. How about that? That's my my sweet spot. That's who I am. And that is what's happening. I think another zone for me is for me to use my training as an educator. And I'm not willing to say that my entire education is... And this is what I've been afraid of for some years, to be honest with you. I think I'm coming. This is what I'm saying about FI maturity. I am coming face to face with something that I've been afraid of for years. I was, I've been afraid that somebody's going to tell me that my literacies, my skills are null and void because they are connected to white supremacy culture. Do I think do I think white supremacy culture has infiltrated infiltrated the schooling system? Absolutely. But am I willing to to be erased all of my strengths to be erased because of that? No. I'm not. And I'm going to have to find a way to na- navigate and negotiate that and I and I don't know how to do that as a leader of a group that is, is that believes this. It's a we have a mismatch in our belief system. It is what it is. It ain't pretty, but it is. Uh, I, w- I heard a sermon this Sunday um, and then the preacher said something that my my grandfather used to say all the time uh, my, nope. yeah, he said and my former pastor would say it's tight 
but it's right. I believe this is, I believe this struggle that I'm having, as much as I hate it, I believe this is, it's time for me to confront it. And I've been saying to them, I've said it to my white supervisor, and I've probably have said it to you all. I do not struggle with racism on an emotional level because I feel empowered and com- um, and on purpose to disrupt racism at a structural level. So I feel I know I feel quite equipped to confront it in different ways. I have different modalities to confront racism and I'm only one person. So can I eradicate racism? No, I cannot. But I'm very comfortable with confronting it across multiple modalities. That's my strength. And I've had to mature in that as well. But I do not have, I do not know what to do when a fellow African-American is situating me in a way that does that does not align with my not only my character but my proven track record because the way that I choose the my NT orientation is aligned it looks like it's being aligned let me tell you something white people are not the only ones they didn't write the book on thinking this is what's so insane They didn't write the books on being analytical. I'm sorry. I don't mean other people in the past. That was ridiculous. In my earlier versions, earlier iterations of myself. I don't know what I'm going to call this. I don't don't know. But if I, if all any of these talking points relate to a conversation and you've had in the world please take this link and share it with those participants i don't know which i have no idea if you're white how you're interpreting this conversation i i just hope you don't weaponize it because that's what happens i don't want the, i don't want it weaponized but it does somebody my first book was weaponized to further an agenda for for racism it's a tricky Sticky situation is both tricky and it is sticky. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, you guys. I'm I I I hardly end these episodes unresolved. This is very hard. It's hard for me to end. I'm unresolved, but I'll have to come back and do a part two. It won't be today. (laughs) It will not be today. I don't know, but you guys pray for me. Send up smoke signals. Meditate, light a candle, whatever whatever you can need to do to send me positive energy. I really, really, really need it today, okay? If my moving about in this reflection has caused some randomness in you, I would love to hear it. Please, <laughs> let's let's do some good with it. Um, you can find me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. On Twitter, yournidom1. Facebook, Leadership. Oops, I don't use that account anymore. Facebook and YouTube, yournidom. Twitter, you're in IDOM one and my website, you're in IDOM, you're in IDOM, dot wordpress.com. Let me give you an assignment. 
What's coming up for me is being stuck between a rock and a hard place. I don't even, I have to look that, is that an idiom? I don't know what that is. It's what part of what kind of what part of speech that is? I think it's anyway. I'll look it up. But I never looked it up. But I think it means you are stuck between two difficult choices. Me wanting to connect. Excuse me. Me wanting to lead a group of people that I want to protect and and give them the coverage that they need. And in return, they need me to connect. So now I'm trying to connect, but then it takes it takes me out of my 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 comfort zone, and it takes me outside of my learning zone. But I'm trying to do it, and then I'm failing at it. I'm failing at doing something I don't want to do in the first place because I feel like that's what I'm expected to do. And maybe maybe that's the lesson for me. But this is not about me. This assignment is about you. When have you felt stuck between a rock and a hard place? Damned if you do. Damned if you don't. What was that about? What are the uh, what are the essential values that are in conflict for you? What are the values that are in conflict? I don't know what your maturity level is about in, as relating to that tertiary function. I'd be really curious to study what is it, what is the role that the ter- what is the role that the tertiary function has as relating to maturity. I'd be very curious about that. But I don't know if that's just an FI tertiary drama a situation or if that's a universal tertiary phenomenon. I don't know. But how have you worked through this rock and a hard place in the past? And how did working through that help you to develop muscle and maturity? I have no idea what I'm going to name this reflection, but I got to go. You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye.